Are you a fan of the Harry Potter Therapy Podcast? Do you want more episodes, more magic, and more guests? Do you want our show to reach and inspire more of those in need? Well, we can really use your support. If you would like to help us in our mission to spread awareness and destigmatize mental health struggles, we ask that you please subscribe, rate, review, and share our podcast with friends, family, and folks you might think would enjoy and benefit from our content. Most importantly, please consider joining our Patreon community and becoming a contributor. As one of our Patreon contributors, you will get access to exclusive content, announcements, videos, and more. You will join a community of like-minded pop culture enthusiasts that celebrate our connections to our favorite movies, TV shows, icons, and superheroes. As a contributor, you will also be helping us support mental health charities as 15% of our proceeds are donated monthly. To join our Patreon community, go to www.patreon.com, make an account, search for Superhero Therapy, and select one of our tiers. Now, on with the show. Have you ever wished for magical powers? Do you still await your Hogwarts acceptance letter? Well, welcome to Hogwarts. You are magical. And this is your invitation to join us in exploring the psychology behind the most magical series, Harry Potter. Welcome to Harry Potter Therapy. Hello all you magical people out there and thank you so much for tuning in to Harry Potter Therapy. I am your host Dustin McGinnis. I am a musician, filmmaker, and all-around fanboy. And I am Dr. Janina Scarlett. I'm a clinical psychologist, author, and a full-time witch. Today we are going to be doing Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban Chapter 13, Gryffindor vs. Ravenclaw. In this chapter, Ron's rat Scabbers goes missing. Poor scabbers. Poor scabbers. (laughs) Ron found blood on his sheets and some ginger cat hairs. He becomes very suspicious that Hermione's cat Crookshanks ate him. And he confronts Hermione and they have a huge fight. Hermione insists that Ron has no proof and is just being ridiculous. Ridiculous! They hit an impasse and it all but seems as though their friendship is over. What can this say about misunderstandings and what is the best way to handle situations like these in your opinion? I think that a lot of times people jump to conclusions when they're hurt and scared. If we start looking at it from Ron's perspective, Ron had been overshadowed by his siblings his whole life. His family didn't really have much time for him. And his mom focused so much more on his successful older brothers and his younger sister. Scabbers is kind of all he has. I think a lot of people really connect with their pets, right? For anyone that has a dog or a cat or a rat or a turtle, right? A lot of times we might feel more connected with our pets than we do even with our family members. So I think it's understandable that Scabbers really means a lot to Ron. And I think the idea of him not just dying, but also being eaten is devastating to him. Mm -hmm. It brings up this terror of grief, something he's not ready to deal with. So he jumps to a conclusion. He makes an assumption that it was Hermione's cat, which, of course, escalates really quickly. From Hermione's perspective, Ron is accusing her of something that 
he didn't do. And so understandably, she's defensive, as I imagine any of us would be if our pet got accused of eating another pet. Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of times what happens in big conflicts is that people focus too much on the surface and don't take the time to recognize what's going on underneath. For both Ron and Hermione, if they were able to take the time to explore what they're really feeling, not only their feelings toward each other, but also in terms of Ron's fear, for example, and, you know, things that Hermione has been through in terms of being accused of things she didn't do and being prejudiced against. And she'd experienced quite a bit of prejudice, especially the previous year in terms of being muggle-born and so might already be very sensitive to being accused of things she didn't do and kind of put on the spot. So I think that there's a lot more than meets the eye. And in majority of conflicts like this, if individuals are able to first take some time for themselves to breathe or cry or unwind until they're a little bit you know, calmer, until the adrenaline is not pulsing through mm -hmm. their body, and then once they're able to be a little bit more present and focused and have a calm discussion with another person about their concerns, it tends to be a lot more productive. Unfortunately, when we are angry or scared or both, as Iran is feeling, we tend to fall into what's called the urgency response. And that's where we want to resolve the situation right here, right now. And the angrier we are and the more afraid we are, the more that urgency response is. And that's why fights escalate. People start yelling at each other and saying things they don't mean, whereas actually separating, going into separate rooms, taking at least 30 minutes, if not more, to unwind can allow individuals to then be more respectful with one another and come up with a better problem resolution than if they fall into that response urgency mode. Mm -hmm. The interesting thing in this situation is that Harry was unfortunately caught in the middle of this mess. And when he mentioned that there was a lot of evidence supporting that Crookshanks made a meal out of scabbers, Hermione loses her temper with Harry too. Harry's response might not have been the most skillful, but he is innocent in all this and he's in the middle. What do you think is the best way to skillfully handle being in the middle of two good friends fighting? One of the most helpful ways is to be supportive of each individual, but also letting them know that you're not going to take sides and understanding their pain, understanding their frustration, but not siding with other person. I also think maybe encouraging people to take some time apart from each other and cool off, or maybe to meet with a neutral party, a mediator, maybe somebody like Professor McGonagall might have been really helpful to find a resolution. Yeah. So there's an upcoming Quidditch match. They have to practice as they do. And after Quidditch practice, Harry lets Ron take a ride on his new firebolt. After a while, they start heading back to the castle after dark. On their way, Harry notices eyes gleaming out of the darkness. And Ron casts the Lumo spell and illuminates Crookshanks. Harry was in a panic at first, thinking it was the Grimm out to get him. What's interesting is he wasn't afraid of it being a Dementor, but rather the Grimm. There are times when these seeds of fear are planted into our minds and we end up freaking ourselves out as a result. 
kind of like going to bed after watching a scary movie and your mind's causing all this anxiety. How can suggestions cause fear and panic like this? Well, we are the kind of creatures that when we're primed to something, our imagination kind of runs wild with it and creates the rest of the story. And the way that we think is directly related to how we feel. So for example, if we're watching a scary movie, then our body might be in that full fight, flight, freeze, adrenaline mode. And if we're in that adrenaline mode, we're more likely to have scarier thoughts, right? There's a bi-directional relationship between our thoughts and feelings. And so it's understandable that after thinking about something scary, our whole body's feeling very tense. And when our body's feeling very tense, again, we're more likely to imagine something scary. Because Harry's already on edge from everything going on, his fight or flight response is so active that he's seeing danger everywhere. Now, thinking about it from Harry's perspective, how could he not be in fight or flight response at all times? He almost died when he was one. His parents were murdered. He spent 10 years being severely abused by his relatives. He nearly died twice so far in school, right? And that's Mm -hmm. after the attempt on his life when he was a young child. It's understandable that any additional danger now will cause him to be really hypervigilant and will cause him to see danger everywhere. If we think about it in real life terms, this is somebody that survived the death of their parents, multiple attempts on their life, and it's understandable that this individual will sometimes have maybe an illusion that they're seeing something where there isn't danger, as happens to a lot of survivors of violent crimes. So it makes sense that Harry is really startled now. It makes sense that he would be terrified of this Grimm, more so than the Dementor. And I think a big part of why is because he's been learning how to face the Dementor. He's been doing, Mm -hmm. in some ways, what we would call exposures, which means facing his fear over and over. And so I think as a result of him constantly doing the Patronus work with Professor Lupin, Harry's now less afraid of the Dementors. But the Grimm is this mysterious dark force that Harry knows nothing about. And the less we know about something or someone, the more afraid we might be of them. And think about the way that the children are thinking about Sirius Black. They know very little about him. And as a result, he's this terrifying, demonizing force that everyone is afraid of. And especially with the sensationalism of the newspapers, Mm -hmm. everyone is really afraid of him. And so I think a lot of it has to do with that, both Harry's trauma history and also him knowing very little about what the Grimm is. It's just amazing that Harry goes through so much and he has this very understandable, you know, fear response to pretty much everything. I mean, he's been through a lot. As (laughs) anyone who's been through what he's been through would experience. At a very young age, too. Very. (laughs) So the Firebolt is the best broom for cell and it brings attention from students and staff. It is an object of great desire and envy. At dinner, it seems as though everyone wants to get a look at it or hold it. Malfoy, of course, was just positively envious of this attention. What is it about objects, fashion, gadgets, or material possessions that highlight privilege and cause low self-esteem in others? Yeah, great question. And unfortunately for a lot of people, very sadly, they are defined by what they have. 
And so seeing some kind of a flashy object, whether it's like the new iPad, I remember especially when the iPhones came out, they were so outrageously expensive that everyone wanted one. And, you know, they're still outrageously expensive, but it was this really shiny thing to get. And whether it's, as you said, new car, new computer, or a new broom in this case, I think it becomes the definition of somebody's worth in some circles, which is really heartbreaking. When I was a small child, the definition of a girl's worth was whether or not she had a Barbie doll. And my parents couldn't afford a Barbie doll. I didn't have a Barbie doll growing up. And all the girls in my first few grades of school would bring in their Barbie dolls. Not everyone, uh, some of the girls. And they would put the dolls on their desks, you know, as they were doing their work. And the other girls would feel inferior. And so I think that there's been this assumption in a lot of environments where if you have this coveted object, it says something about your worth. And if you don't, then it suggests that you're inferior. And it's really heartbreaking because not only does it highlight privilege and classism, but it also creates this message of if you don't have it, then you're less worthy. Mm. And individuals are then brought up with this belief ingrained in them. And unfortunately, a lot of people of color are raised with this kind of belief in a way that because some individuals might not have the same privilege as others, they already grow up believing that they're less worthy and are already oppressed in so many different ways where classism and money might be yet another factor that make people feel like they're not the same as other people are not included with other people. It's all about love and people and connections. I agree. Material objects. <laughs> it, it's not at all about material objects. And we should be defined by our actions, the things we do for the world, not the fancy gadgets that we have. So, so much agreed. In this chapter, we're introduced to the Ravenclaw seeker, Cho Chang. She's the only girl on the Ravenclaw Quidditch team, and she is the seeker who is opposite of Harry. One thing that is so awesome about the world of Harry Potter is that even in sports as dangerous and violent as Quidditch, co-ed teams are just the norm. It's normal to have co-ed teams. What are your thoughts on this magical insight on equality? It's really heartbreaking that it's 2021 and we still don't have major league co-ed teams whether it's football, hockey, baseball, we're still seeing people being separated by sex. Major league teams are all men, and then there's the women's league. But what's interesting is that the major leagues are not called the men's league, they're called the major leagues. Mm -hmm. And they don't allow women to this day. Even if a woman can do the same thing that a man can, they will not be allowed to join that sports team. To this day, we're seeing this horrendous display of sexism where women, at least so far, have not ever played for a major league sport. It's really refreshing to see that there are women on Quidditch teams. It's sad that they're not equally distributed. And so the Ravenclaw only had one girl and the Gryffindor team only had two, Angelina Johnson being one of them. It does highlight that sports could be a really interesting sport if people of all sexes and all gender identities were able to join based on skill 
instead of being based on somebody's sex. It's just so interesting that women are not included. I saw this article recently and it was very interesting because someone came out and said America is not being represented in the World Cup this year. And then a member of the women's soccer team responded saying the women's soccer team are the reigning world champions and we are in it this year. So America is still here. They were just completely overlooked. That's heartbreaking. Yeah. Heartbreaking. And again, (laughs) it's really sad that one is called major leagues and the other is called women's, right? Like the focus on one is it being a major league as opposed to a minor league. And the focus on the other is the sex of the players. And it just, it's so disheartening. And as you said, very often women's leagues are overlooked, completely disregarded, and people might fail to take them as seriously as they do their major league sports. But what about the fundamentals? <laughs> that was saying from Futurama. Here's stadium where our women basketball teams play. We know can dunk, but good fundamentals. So near the end of the match, Malfoy, Crab and Goyle, and Flint dress as Dementors to scare Harry into losing the match. And Harry pushes through his fear and blasts Malfoy and his crew with the Patronus charm that he's been practicing with Lupin. Although Harry handled the situation well and Gryffindor won the match, the behavior of Malfoy and his thugs is just very disturbing to me. It makes me think about people who manipulate someone's fear for their own gain or entertainment. What do you think about this observation? Yeah, I think that's a really powerful observation and it's heartbreaking how often people will make fun of somebody or taunt somebody based on not just their fear, but their either mental or physical illness, right? Harry is going through trauma. He doesn't appear anyway to have PTSD yet in this book. We know that he develops it later, but he is having understandable trauma reactions and fear reactions. And it's really unfortunate to see Malfoy's atrocious behavior. Oftentimes we see individuals who might make fun of somebody for having a disability, for example. The most horrific example of them all being Donald Trump, who made fun of a journalist's disability and also of President Biden's disability his stutter. So I think it displays just despicable behavior that a lot of bullies take on when they feel threatened by somebody else. And they use it as a way to put another person down. One other thing about it is once they get into trouble, only 50 points are taken from Slytherin, but four people were a part of that. They should have taken 50 points each, man. Agreed. (laughs) I mean, that was a heavy situation right there. I think that Professor McGonagall was a little lenient, in my opinion, (laughs) because in the previous book, they take 50 points from Harry, Ron, and Hermione. (laughs) Yeah, I think she tends to be tougher on her own house and more lenient with other houses, whereas Professor Snape is quite the opposite. (laughs) Wow, the Harry Potter universe, ladies and gentlemen, it's awesome. This chapter ends with Ron claiming that Sirius Black broke into the Gryffindor Tower and was standing over him with a knife. It's very ominous indeed. And I think that's a good point for us to end this episode of Harry Potter Therapy. Again, my name is Dustin. You can find me on Twitter at The Van Geek. And I'm Dr. Janina Scarlett. You can find me on Twitter at Shadow Quill or Dr. Janina Scarlett Official on Instagram. 
For all of our listeners out there, we are sending out free signed copies of Dr. Scarlett's book, Harry Potter Therapy, an unauthorized self-help book from the restricted section. To enter the drawing, all you have to do is tweet about this podcast with the hashtag HarryPotterTherapy. We will choose one lucky listener every month to receive their free copy. Unfortunately, due to high postage costs, international listeners will not be eligible for this promotion. Thank you so much for listening. Stay safe out there, everybody. Stay kind, stay magical, and be awesome. The information presented in this podcast is of a general nature and is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. It should never be used as a substitute for mental care, medical care, prevention, diagnosis, counseling, treatment, or other services. Always consult a mental health professional before engaging in any activities discussed in this podcast. Thank you for listening.